The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Nothing to talk about when it comes to law enforcement and uh, crime and punishment. It's just, gosh, everything's fine and... We have nothing to be concerned about whatsoever, no concerns. And uh, I don't know why we have Jackson County Sheriff Nate Sickler in here. And, of course, I'm being extremely sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something to talk about. There indeed is always something to talk about. Uh, Sheriff, it's great to have you in. Yeah, Welcome. thank you. Welcome. Yeah. And uh, a lot of things going on. And I wanted to start off with a uh, numerous listeners sent me a, uh, a YouTube clip that was uh, talking about uh, border issues, and I thought it was quite interesting. This was mm-hmm. at the National Sheriff's Conference, which I guess you were not at because I, you were up at the state legislature, I think is what well, you were doing. Well, no, I, um, I didn't go to the National Conference. I haven't been to the National Conference yet. It's it's quite a ways away, and we're pretty busy. And so, uh, But I I uh, would like to attend that at some point in my tenure. Yeah. The uh, there was a a keynote speaker or you know kind of an announcement of uh, there was a sheriff about twenty twenty five minutes that uh, that uh, was was talking about it and people were kind of wondering what you thought about his take on uh, the security issues involving the country right now. Well, I think you know he uh, he provided a, an assessment of the briefing that he received uh, at that conference and his takeaways from it and that the the border is is porous and that there's a lot of issues with uh, people coming across that uh, we don't know about mm-hmm. in our country and it's uh, potentially uh, could cause us some some uh, significant concern or dangers to the community here and uh, I don't know necessarily specifically Jackson County but as a, as a country Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see other things, too. You know, we have uh, a significant fentanyl issue, and we know a lot of fentanyl is coming across the border. Um, and so it, it is a cause for concern, I think. And, you know, he, he touched on a lot of the cyber attacks uh, from other countries into our country. And, um, you know, one of our neighboring counties, um, it was uh, Curry County, uh, they, they endured a cyber attack and lost all of their data within the last, I think it was the last year, maybe 18 months. Yeah. Didn't Jackson County end up uh, providing assistance, helping out, trying to, uh, uh, I, I can't remember if we did or not. We, we may have. Yeah. Um, I think there was something going and, on. And, uh, you know, luckily in our County, maybe in Joe County too, for that matter, may have helped out. I think they got help from a couple other, you know, a couple yeah. counties and, uh, you know, those things, they happen and they happen all the time. Um, and there, there's constant attacks on, uh, our information and our uh, infrastructure. And so luckily in Jackson County, we have a very robust IT department that serves the county and they do a, a really stellar job at mm-hmm. uh, keeping things safe. And, you know, we're always getting the, uh, the, the, you know, testing and all the things to make sure, um, you know, cause it seems to be that often people might be the weak link there and, and, you know, clicking on these things that they shouldn't be phishing emails or whatnot. Yeah. And so anyways, we have a very robust and a very uh, thorough IT department that takes that very seriously. Thank, thank goodness. Um, going back to, you know, the border issue, because every state's a border town now, yeah. as has been described. And given that Oregon is a sanctuary state and there have been laws passed by the legislature that seem to pretty much tie the hands of county sheriffs and local police. you It's yeah. almost like you really can't do much. And I remember right. I would see, uh, now there wasn't as much of the uh, of the marijuana grow problem last summer, I think because Correct. the uh, the uh, financial model has been kind of collapsing almost a... Uh, uh, well, there's there's a, there's a couple factors to that and we're, we're thankful. Um, in 2021, you know, we had that really kind of, that that ballooning of, of these large grows in our community. And um, so... 
legislative changes to where we've changed the laws that have closed some loopholes, which was beneficial and made it harder for people to to set up these big grows. And then, of course, the enforcement piece is the, the key, right? Because mm -hmm. if you have all the laws on the book and you have no means to enforce them or follow through, people don't care uh, that are willing to do those bad things. So, um, you know, the enforcement has been very um consistent over the last few years and that's helped and of course you know when the market got flooded in 21 of course that does change things right that the changes demand. the economic incentive yeah. to want to do the huge growth and it so, doesn't pay off as much to well the and then extent. when you're when you're at risk of losing your growth too so there's a combination effect right where there's you know um, it's like any business model but although isn't there a case to be a case to be made that the cartels that were controlling arguably controlling uh, a lot of these grows understand that they're going to lose a certain percentage of them. We know we're going to lose yep. some. Oh, yeah. No, we, we see that. And um, we've seen that model for years, um, you know, whether it was, you know, taking uh, grows out of the hills, um, you know, in the foothills of Jackson County. When, when I started at the uh, sheriff's office in 06, we were doing a lot of that. Um, and then, of course, it morphed when there was recreational marijuana. And then, of course, hemp. We saw them set up, you know, numerous sites, understanding that there would be a certain loss uh, due to enforcement or other things. and Because um, you can't get everything. You yeah. don't have enough labor to get everything that you want. Okay. Um, how much of this uh, kind of behavior went on? I'm going to give you an example of uh, a person who called me who wanted to be anonymous and said, hey, um, you know, I have this uh, legal grow, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of approached by cartel thuggish types that are saying you are going to grow for us right or else yeah. bad you know it, it would be a shame kind of the uh kind of like something out of the godfather or yeah. the sopranos where it'd be a shame it'd be a shame what would happen to your family if you don't uh, help us uh, and you don't take your hemp field as an example or whatever it is and plant our marijuana in the middle of it sure was, was there more of that going on than we think in which oh. you had you'd have these uh otherwise people trying to be legitimate that, you know, are kind of like, all right, you're going to do it or else, you know, at the barrel of a gun. Yeah. You know, we, we, I'm sure, I'm sure that was underreported the instance of that, you know, to us. Um, we, we know there was a, there was uh, several incidents of <clears throat> whether that was that overt or other, other things that were a little less uh, obvious uh, being done to maybe intimidate or, you know, uh, you could use the word threaten individuals mm -hmm. uh, about the subtle, land use subtle or, or not so subtle. You yeah, know? and we had we had uh, we did have reports of that, and I'm sure, like I said, there was I'm sure there was a lot of underreporting as well. Is that an example of what happens when you do have that sanctuary city or the sanctuary city sanctuary state status situation in which law enforcement technically isn't allowed to touch somebody? I mean, it, it, can you you really can't touch anybody? Yeah, for, for being for, here illegally, right? Well, for civil immigration, which was, uh, you know, years ago, the vast majority of, of immigration violations are treated as a civil civil matter. So right. meaning somebody has, uh, let's just say, overstayed a visa or came across the border in a legal manner and then didn't check in or didn't do the things they were supposed to do. Um, generally speaking, those, I want to say about 90% of those types of scenarios were treated as civil. And when I first started in law enforcement, there was this thing where the, um, you know, ICE uh, would, would use detainers and they would detain somebody that, say, got picked up on a traffic stop or a, a DUI or a domestic mm -hmm. violence or theft or whatever the case may be. They went down to the jail. Um, they didn't have any local records. And, you know, they, they said they were from 
X country, right? It doesn't have to be this southern border. It's not just Mexico. It's any country. Yeah. And um, and then ICE would place a detainer, and that would hold them, and then they would come down and interview them and find out more about this individual and how they, you know, uh, became into the U.S. and and then do a process if they felt that was necessary according to their laws and rules. Um, But over the years, that has been uh, that's not happening anymore. It's illegal to do in Oregon. Uh, there was some some case law. So it's uh, or, so Oregon says it's illegal. Well, the, the legislature told you that it's illegal to even get. Anybody yeah, well, involved. the case there was first case law that basically said so, um, and then uh, after that there was legislation passed that basically said law enforcement is not allowed to communicate with ICE on civil immigration matters. Now, a criminal case is different. So, say for instance, somebody has a federal warrant for illegal entry, re-entry into the mm-hmm. United States, and they have a criminal warrant, we can act on that just as uh, any other crime. But it's the civil part, which is a vast majority of the immigration violations. Okay, yeah. So someone gets pulled over for a speeding ticket and they're illegally here, you can't do anything about that. And I, and I, I, I get that. That's where that law is, uh, is impactful. But I, can't, uh, but I can't think it doesn't also impact the ability to attack it criminally. Or am I wrong? about that just because there's almost like do you even does it does a deputy even want to get involved well, in something like that well i can like give that? you i can give you an example so uh, a couple of years ago we had a, a marijuana grow illegal we uh, you know conducted a search warrant mm-hmm. and to to dismantle the grow of course we interview everybody that there that's there and we found a, a couple individuals who had some pretty extensive criminal histories in the US um, and they were uh, had some immigration violations and things we couldn't contact ICE and talk to them about those individuals, even though even they, though they have an existing criminal record, pretty serious one. Correct. You yeah, couldn't we're do pro- anything. We're prohibited by law from doing that. Well, you don't have to defund the police. You just have to tie their uh, hands. Yeah, I think is uh, is yeah. Is in those what... cases, you know, are pretty clear that those individuals aren't here for uh, you know uh, not nefarious reasons. They're not yeah. here setting up a Girl Scout cookie. Yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. distribution centers. All right. Yeah. So those, those are the kind of instances where you kind of scratch your head and say, that's not the best interest of the mm-hmm. safety of the community. Is there any talk from the legislature that they might even reconsider some of this, or is this so deeply embedded into the agenda? of the Yeah. I, I mean, right now, uh, I would say no. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the short session that's going on right now and there's, there's a lot of focus on measure 110. Uh, but, uh, I don't, I don't know that there's any, any appetite to change the immigration laws in okay. Oregon at this time. If there, if it's okay with you, I'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Measure 110 sure. and some of the uh, other issues here. So with Jackson County Sheriff uh, Nate Sickler, by the way, a little uh, postscript when you were talking about the the immigration issue. I, I would recall when you, the releases would come out of both Jackson and Josephine County from the Sheriff's Departments about raids that have been done, and you'll see that we've arrested this person and this person and this person and like and then fifty other people and they, who were just let go. And yeah. so you know you you know what the uh, what what the game is, and yet you could almost make the case that a lot of those fifty were probably trafficked by the same cartel. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we did see quite a bit of, of victimization from those uh, people running those operations. And, you know, people were brought here uh, unknowing what they were getting into in some cases, or they were here uh, to work, and then they were taken advantage of, you know, not paid, treated horribly. So there's there's a lot of uh, victims in there, too, and those individuals, you know, typically we're not going to focus our criminal justice resources on, and we'll go after the, the bigger fish. Yeah, we'll continue the conversation with Jackson County Sheriff Nate Sickler next on KMED and KCMD. 
Siskiyou Pump Service focuses on customers getting fresh, clean water from field to tap. Here's a recent review from Jennifer from Lark's Petals and Stem, a local flower farm. Their knowledge of cost-effective watering systems saved us a ton of money for our cut flower operations. They have friendly service and are community-oriented partners. It's nice to have a local family business helping our local family business. Thank you so much, Siskiyou Pump Service. Providing fresh water for Rogue Valley residents for over 50 years. Visit SiskiyouPump.com. Coming up on the next Hughes Lumber. When two-by-fours get together, only one thing can happen. Walls get built. Check out the studs, followed by contractors and do-it-yourselfers. Featuring lumber, hardware, and siding. Starring decks, additions, and ADUs. It's the return of home enhancements. But watch out for that naughty pine. Get the best build for your buck values at Hughes Lumber. Your top show for quality, price, selection, service. So don't miss Hughes Lumber on Crater Lake Highway next to Garrison's. You're looking for a career and not a job, or maybe you're already working a boring job and you want more out of life, but you're not sure what to do. Nursing Pathways at Asante has an answer. A career in healthcare. Pacific Healthcare Training in Central Point has a secure, recession-proof opportunity for you. Our local hospitals want to invest in you, and they'll pay for your training. Scholarship money available, tuition reimbursement too, good wages, and benefits. PacificHealthCareTraining.com. Now that's a career. Call today. By Coastal Media's Best of Southern Oregon magazine is online at bestofsouthernoregon.com. Find the winners in nearly 200 categories by flipping through the magazine online or sort by category and discover Southern Oregon's best suppliers of goods and services like Patriot Electric, Acumen Design Group, Bamboo, and Southern Oregon Chiropractic. Congratulations to all the award winners from By Coastal Media, publishers of Best of Southern Oregon. Nominations for 2024 to 2025 starts in spring. Visit bestofsouthernoregon.com. 1063 KMED, 993 KCMD, and this is the Bill Myers Show. Yeah, Salma Dave uh, was just reminding me and was, you know, wondering. I think you may not have heard about that, but 270 gallons of liquid heroin ended up uh, being transported and was caught in Multnomah County. Yeah, yeah Multnomah County uh, Sheriff ended up uh, taking that in. And is that anything un- unusual when it comes to the shipment uh, of the illegal You know, drugs? I think I think uh, the the liquidized form is is a unique you don't hear about that every day uh, but like I said they're very uh, individuals are always finding new ways to smuggle stuff in and and to uh, get drugs uh, into the community and of course um, you know Multnomah County is is a hotbed right now we've all heard the woes mm-hmm. of, of Portland and downtown area and there's a lot of trafficking up there you know that maybe the agenda is starting to turn a little bit when even Multnomah County which is about as progressive as it comes, mm-hmm. throws up its hands and is going, hey, we're dying here, you know? And- yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, um, I think, support uh, in our communities for reform to Measure 110 because of the open-air drug use and the, and the just the overall livability that a lot of people are having to deal with, the, the, the decrease in livability uh, for people in those communities that are being hit hard by this, this issue. The sheriff's departments and law enforcement in general, I think, are looking for a more muscular approach. But I'm getting mixed messages coming out of the state legislature right now. Is there a consensus at this point uh, of, of reform that could actually move forward? You just came back from Salem the other day. You were up there yeah. testifying. Um, oh, no, I was there for testifying. a different reason. Uh, I was okay. up there for a meeting. But um, and I have testified on the on the stuff with regards to Measure 110. But, um, you know, I think. There's a lot of work being done. You know, I think there's a, there's been a, uh, a mention that legislature might support like a very low level misdemeanor at this point. 
And, you know, for us in law enforcement, that's just not enough. Now, if I understand the way that drug diversion in the past was taken care of, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't a light misdemeanor that you were normally charged with. And did that not give you leverage to get many of these drug offenders yeah. into treatment in which they'll say, OK, all right, court, I'll go and I'll take my treatment and I'll and I'll, and I'll get clean. Wasn't that yeah, kind of so, the uh, carrot you know, and the stick approach that was used? When, when I started in law enforcement, uh, possession of you know hard drugs, as we'll call them, methamphetamine, heroin, yeah. um, was a, a C felony for the small amounts. So a user amount was a felony charge, and it was like that for you know the better part of my career. I, I want to say 2018, 19, um, it was changed till. Uh, misdemeanor for this possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that happened, we did see less engagement with the treatment courts or the uh, you know diversion programs. Because so, there's really no stick to get someone yeah. to change behavior. Yeah, and right? he, so uh, we well, exactly we saw less willingness to participate in programming <clears throat> when the consequences were lower. Uh, a lot of people just said, "Ah, eh, we don't we don't really care." And so you know we've been living with this this misdemeanor thing for a while, which still gives us opportunity, right? It still gave us opportunity for uh, to intervene in some way to create create a disruption in that person's current status. Yeah, what can you legally do to disrupt the circle of uh, of addiction right now, even under Measure One Ten, flawed as it was? I beg folks not to <laughs> not to pass this, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah I, I think the law enforcement did too. Um, <clears throat> well, right now, I mean, for possession of small amounts of drugs, there's really nothing. I mean, you can issue a citation. Uh, it's an e-violation. It's, it's What's an e-violation? It's the lowest form of violation there is. So, for instance, you not wearing your seatbelt in your car by yourself is a D-violation. Oh, it's a, that's more serious than having open-air drug use, essentially, right? Correct. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so cool. All the, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if 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 you get a seatbelt ticket, you know, you're probably going to pay the ticket because you don't want to have any other repercussions of... Um, you know, whatever being sent to collections or having a bill over outstanding or whatever the case may be. So you're going to go down and pay your fine, most likely, and mm-hmm. do your seatbelt class or whatever it is um, to get that off your record so it doesn't impact your insurance or other things, you know. Um, but the e-violation <clears throat> is is far less impactful than that. Is the e-violation the equivalent of a, almost like a parking ticket? You know, that kind of a thing? Um, that yeah, sort that's of a, a violation? Good, good comparison. Although, you know, I I wouldn't want my parking tickets, if I got them, right, to, to pile up and then be sent to some collections to where I had some negative right. impact on my credit or other things or have outstanding bills. And so the e-violation, though, is even less significant because if you decide not to pay, it's basically forgiven. Uh, oh. there's, there's no there's no follow-up. Well, there is no incentive then. No. So basically the idea, I think, when it was created and people voted for this was they thought, oh, there'll be increased treatment, for individuals who need it, which we do need treatment in Oregon. That's not a that's not a debatable and thing. And we don't even have it right now. We don't yeah, even we don't have even enough have treatment it, even at the moment. We do need more, and that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the uh, e-violation was was intended to, hey, you've been in possession of drugs. Here's your $100 fine. If you call this number and get a referral to treatment or get an assessment done via this hotline, your ticket will be dismissed and all will be good. Well, the overall... Um, I think uh, assessments being done is at less than one percent. So, wow. so if out of less the, than one out of a hundred will actually try to do anything. Oh yeah, to, it's it's even. No, it's less than that. Even it's. I want to say out of um, out of uh, what, about sixty seven hundred or last time I checked seven thousand 
there was, a, there was less than 70 of those assessments <laughs> that had been completed and verified. So a very um, ine ineffective program, in essence, to get people directed towards resources. Let me ask you, Sheriff Sickler, even if, and, and I think we have to remember that, um, and one of the reasons that was not talked about much about Measure 110, and Measure 110 was being pushed by the George Soros uh, organizations and the people that were looking for this total decriminalization. Yeah. We have to understand that. And uh, and yet that part got kind of you know downplayed in law enforcement and a lot of elected officials and everybody was going, hey, this is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. Yeah. Needless to say, um, this is where we are right now. And Sheriff Sickler, if we had all the treatment facilities that we could possibly use right now, would we have them filled with arrestees on uh, on drug possessions right now? In your opinion, could well, we get them into treatment? Is there yeah. is there any well, way to kind of force the issue under Measure One Ten? Oh, under Measure One Ten, no. There's, there's no, no way. There's no way. No, there's you can't no, force them. Okay. No, there's no there's no forcing anybody under One Ten under under the idea that they're going to be arrested for small user amounts, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the, the personal possession amounts, open air drug use. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to, to use a court to compel people to go in at this point for, for those low level charges. And so measure 110 essentially was really about changing the culture in, yeah, when it comes to the treatment a, a of, of, people, uh, of, of uh, narcotics. Yeah. A lot of people bite into this, like, you know, there's a lot of people in prison for drug offenses and there's a war on drugs that is, is, that's been raging for years, and and truthfully, Oregon has really been kind of hands off. I mean, obviously, you've seen the 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 way that marijuana has been treated over the years, um, and other things. And you know, there wasn't really a way through sentencing structure what judges use mm -hmm. to a matrix for sentencing. People don't go to prison for low level drug charge. You know, if you have just personal possession, and you're arrested every week. For that you're never going to go to prison you would have to try to get someone on other charges if there's going <laughs> well, to be you have any to try thing. i mean eventually they'll get to that point where they're doing those things most likely you know we see a lot of people who have a drug addiction and commit other other crimes <clears throat> whether that's violent crime or whether that's property crime that's a there's a very strong nexus there for usually sure. they get there to that level i would say well and again there's a lot of a lot of people have substance use disorder issues in oregon and i you know i tend to speak in the law enforcement realm. So the people mm -hmm. that we deal with, so there's a lot of substance use disorder in the individuals that we're dealing with who commit crime. Now, there's a subset of individuals who have substance use disorders that may not ever commit crime that either we know about or maybe they just don't. Uh, but when you're talking about the law enforcement yeah, circle... Yeah, you're, you're always dealing with the... We're uh, always dealing with the ones that are... Yeah, yeah. All right. And can, can, other, can the other crimes that you may arrest a drug addict for, that uh, <clears throat> property theft and all the rest yeah. of it, can that still be leveraged to get them into yeah, treatment? There's, there's some programs. Um, you know, we have rock court um, in uh, Jackson County and that's for individuals who have committed other offenses and do have drug okay. addiction issues. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And but, instead of going to prison, <clears throat> they can go into this diversion program. But for the vast, uh, the vast majority of the people you run into that are, um, you know, raving, not really in a good place, out of the greenway, sleeping out in the open, there, there's nothing. It's yeah, just... there would have to be, we would have to be able to, uh, you know, have some other charge other than the open-air drug use or, or drug possession at this point. All right. And even just recriminalizing it slightly will not work. 
which yeah. is what's being proposed. <clears throat> Currently, like I said, the C misdemeanor, which is you know the lowest level of misdemeanor, there's just so many limitations with that through the criminal justice system uh, guidelines and how uh, those issues are treated through the courts, uh, sanctioning capacity, uh, funding for uh, supervision. Um, you know, you look at prioritizing criminal justice resources, mm -hmm. uh, jail space, um, you know, prosecutor, uh, prosecutor resources, and then public defender resources, and a whole host of other things that would need to be ironed out in addition to how we classify that. So I, I think where the Sheriff's Association is, Chiefs of Police Association, uh, would like to see a uh, more um, All right, a let significant me ask you, charge. What is the minimum level that could re- <clears throat> that could make drug court and diversion be reaffect, uh, make it effective again? Well, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I we saw more engagement at the felony level, but that's not going to happen. I mean, we okay, just not that's, gonna that's not going to happen. What's uh, the most serious yeah, misdemeanor if, then? If you can uh, craft a piece of legislation with the, either with the a misdemeanor or the equivalent of that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with being able to tie some of the, the treatment stuff and the uh, funding to supervise and do all those things and have the sanctions you know, a misdemeanor uh, or what would or an a misdemeanor similar. be? Is that like a weapons charge or something like that? Uh, is that DUI is an a misdemeanor. DUI, okay, uh, that's all a, right. A, kind of a all right. Know, everyone's familiar with that. Okay, um, you know, uh, a simple assault, an assault force, an a misdemeanor, uh, as long as it's not committed in the presence of children or or whatnot, um, or repeat uh, offenses like a domestic violence situation. Um, so, uh, you know, so there's a misdemeanors. Uh, it has some teeth behind it for sure. Okay, so you keep it out of the felony realm, but that would probably then encourage more people, a little bit more of a stick to get them to get treatment. All right. Yeah. Uh, talking with Jackson County Sheriff Nate Sickler, and we'll be right back after news, and uh, and let's talk about the, the jail if we could, yeah. okay. and, uh, and a couple of other things before we take off. This is the Bill Myers Show. Homeowners, ever wonder what's going on up there? In need of a repair or replacement? Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc. is at your service. Whether you choose metal, tile, or composition style, we're your go-to roofers. Now offering financing with low monthly payments. Get approved in two minutes without affecting your credit score. Call or text today and get an estimate tomorrow. 601-9108. That's 601-9108. You can also check us out on our Facebook page at Stephen Westfall Roofing. CCB 230804. Choosing a company to drill your well is a major decision. You have a lot to consider. Experience, reputation, equipment, price, and most importantly, the finished project. Clouser Drilling stands behind their work and guarantees materials and workmanship. Quality and integrity has helped Clouser Drilling grow to be one of the largest drilling companies in the state. They provide the best overall value and make sure the job is done right. Competent and capable. That's Clouser Drilling. Call today for a free written estimate. 476-7795. Visit ClauserDrilling.com. KMED, KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Marcus Veal with your MC5 Morning News Update. Schools in Phoenix were put on a lockout after a man was seen with weapons near Phoenix High School. The Phoenix Police Department says around 1.30 Wednesday afternoon, it responded to reports of someone walking near the high school carrying a handgun. Officers responded to the wooded area west of the railroad tracks that run behind the high school around 2 and made contact with 42-year-old Medford man Brian E. Smith. Police say he did not have a gun but did attempt to hide two bladed weapons. Smith was arrested on two outstanding warrants with more charges possible. Phoenix High School, Phoenix Elementary School, and the Head Start Preschool were all put on lockout as a precautionary measure. 
If you want to start your weekend on a high note, there's a recital happening at Southern Oregon University. This Friday is the latest performance of the Tutanov Piano Series at SOU's Music Recital Hall. Alexander Tutanov, a longtime professor at SOU, says this is the 11th year of the piano series. This latest recital will be a unique combination of instruments, featuring fellow SOU professor Brett Bender on saxophone and violinist Fritz Gearhart. Tickets are $35 bucks a person and $30 for seniors. For tickets, you can go to the box office in person on campus at sou.universitytickets.com or calling the box office. And that's a look at your morning headlines from C5 News. I'm Marcus Veal. Hope you had a fabulous Valentine's Day and happy Thursday. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main Street in Phoenix. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich, and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. Millette Construction has been a general contractor for 40 years. For the last 20 years, they've specialized in foundation repair and replacement. If you have sloping floors, cracks in walls, and windows and doors that are hard to open, you have a foundation problem that's only getting worse. At Millette Construction, they not only fix your foundation and level your house, they solve the water problem that's causing the damage. Get on solid ground. Call Millette Construction for a free estimate. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. CCB number 32787. The tradition continues at the 24th Annual Newswatch 12 Sportsman's and Outdoor Recreation Show at the Jackson County Expo, February 23rd through 25th. See and shop all your outdoor recreation needs from a host of new exhibitors. You can meet the world-famous 600-pound lion Maasai. Visit the ATV Fusion Display. Don't miss the Seven Feathers Big Game Trophy Room and free senior night. You'll see guides, lodges, and outdoor agencies. Sign up to win a winch to go and other great prizes. For the kids, there's a live trout pond, archery, and laser shotgun range a huge climbing wall, and a 10-foot tall Sasquatch. Catch the fishing demonstrations in the giant fish tank and learn the latest tips at the Sportsman's Theater covering fishing, hunting, boating, gun safety, and a Bigfoot town meeting. RVs, ATVs, boats, trailers, and wall tents at low show prices. All this and more at the Jackson County Sportsman's and Outdoor Recreation Show presented by Bymark, February 23rd through 25th. Let's go! For more info, visit ExposureShows.com. Doing your own taxes and lost in the paperwork and questions that you can't answer? Peace of mind is only a phone call away. As a former Internal Revenue agent, Pat Hurley can help you relax. Call him at 774-1040. What an easy number. Hi, I'm Lamont from Orleans, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. KMED and KCMD, appreciate you being here. Jackson County Sheriff Nate Sickler uh, in studio today. And I don't have time for a lot of calls, but I'll grab one here from uh, Sherm. we got a lot of, uh, of ground to cover, but go ahead, Sherm. What's on your mind? You're with Sheriff Sickler. Uh, Sheriff Sickler, Sherm out in Sam Zelly. I want to thank you for your offer to supply a mediator on the Sanctuary Road situation off Meadows Road. Oh, yeah. The two camps were armed, and, uh, you know, a real conflict was brewing there, and you offered uh, to supply a mediator, and I appreciate that. Well, I hope everything's working out up there for you. It seems to be working out. Yeah. Oh, good. The other issue is, is fentanyl. We have to get on it. As an educator, I'm extremely concerned. I can't imagine what's going on with our teenagers right now. 
I've been out of the classroom for 12 years. I taught out of Seattle for the last 12 years of my career. And we have to get on this stuff. We're destroying a generation. Well, I think you're right with that. The fentanyl is extremely dangerous, and Oregon has a very significant uh, rate of, uh, I think, teen overdoses at this point. So that's pretty alarming. Yeah. Uh, Sharm, appreciate the call there. And But still, Measure 110 has enabled this, essentially. You know, back yeah, on that. I mean, you know, you, you can look at it, and there's there's others other factors, too. You know, I was, I'm very critical of Measure 110 for obvious reasons. There's a few others. Fentanyl plays a role in this, of course. But, you know, in my mind, you know, there's certain things that are unique to Oregon um, yeah, with Measure 110 uh, that have really contributed or enhanced this issue, um, you know, with and the inability to to use law enforcement, the criminal justice system as a as an effective tool. I think we've, um, you know, desensitized our youth um, uh, about drugs because, you know, there's not a stigma. It's not criminal. It's not mm-hmm. a crime, you know. And so I think that itself, um, it, it, it gives permission almost because if our if the people who are in charge of our uh, communities and the voters and everyone thinks, hey, it's not that big a deal, then why would the kids think it's that big a deal? And it's a really slippery slope. All right. Let's uh, dig into uh, what's going on at the Jackson County Jail. I toured it a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, yeah. now that I think about it. And uh, and it kind of opened my eyes to what I didn't really understand about uh, the jail capacity because I would hear, oh, okay, you know, certainly we can we can polish this up and uh, do some sure. remodeling and it's going to be okay. And I actually came around. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's uh, probably uh, was uh, really was just uh, obsolete the day that it opened, unfortunately, with the uh, design of it is. And, and now they have different design jails, which yep. are uh, more, I don't know what, if they call it uh, like a spoken hub or a panopticon <sighs> kind of thing, yeah, where, where, where fewer people are able to watch more uh, prisoners at one time, and it's uh, a little more observation, right? That's the way they yeah. build build yeah. jails now? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the design, we've been working with uh, the company we worked with last time to kind of refresh our, our ideas to make sure that they're still current and and uh, viable, and they and they are uh, with just a few enhancements or a few changes. But um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the design that you know, if we could, if we had all the money right now, and I could just start building, definitely increases efficiency. It increases uh, safety. It increases uh, the ability to um, use um, uh, classification more effectively. And when, you know, classification is uh, you know how you uh, classify offenders based on their history mm-hmm. or their the, the things that they're accused of to keep them in, you know, areas where they're, you know, kept safe for one and not necessarily uh, furthering the, the criminal mind, uh, you know, grooming others for, for crime. So you, so you don't have somebody who, say, has been in prison and, and, three, and So times. you don't have the yeah. jail ended up being a crime factory, you know, in essence, Correct. or a training center. Now, one of the challenges that uh, Jackson County Jail and any jail, for that matter, in Oregon uh, deals with is that you have to hang on to people for quite some time for some of the uh, trials. Like I know that you know, sex offenders can be in there sometimes more than a year, you know, awaiting trial. Right. In some cases, yeah. In, in some cases, uh, homicides. You know, Measure Eleven tend to spend a lot of time in there because. Um, you know, those are, are cases that you know generally are, are person crimes, right? And and people. Um, they, they're, they're not necessarily, it's not in the best interest of the community to have them out, and yep. they're going to likely go to prison if they're convicted. So they spend a lot of time in our facility. What percentage of the jail right now is what, about 300, roughly? Yeah, I think we're, we're hovering around 285 to 290. 285, 290, all yeah. right. Uh, what percentage are actually long-term inmates awaiting trial, if you uh, could venture a guess on that? Yeah, so um, 
quite a few, actually. I think about a third are in there for about a measure 11. So okay. So you got roughly, about 100. Roughly yeah, roughly. 100. And again, I haven't looked at those numbers recently. You know, I was talking to my jail commander. But, okay, 70, you know, 70 to 100 in there are long-term, yeah, so which, yeah. which means that really the capacity of the jail is 180, 200. I mean, that's the real floating capacity Yeah, of the and then jail. you look at other things, too. Um, so our because of the, the increase in Measure 11s we've had over the last few years, and that's a pretty significant thing. So i just give you an idea real quick. Uh, back in 2017, uh, we had about 215, I think 216 Measure 11 arrests in mm-hmm. our jail, individuals who came in for Measure 11. Um, and that was kind of at the height of, of the jail being closed in 15 and 16. We opened it up in 17. We saw that number drop down in 19 to like 153. We're making good progress. Opened up the bed space, had some things. And then, uh, you know, pandemic, we had to cut bed space back for the, for the distancing mm-hmm. thing and all that stuff. And, um, and then, of course, Measure 110 in 2021. And uh, last year, or the year before last, so 2022, we were at 360 Measure 11 offenders came into our jail. So a significant increase from our previous high year of 215, 216. So 360. And then last year, I think we were about 330. Okay. So a lot of Measure 11, a lot of violent crime. Yeah, and that tends to gum up, up the our jail, jail works oh, yeah. there for and a while. And the court system, public defenders, are, we're, we have a shortage of public defender availability. Uh, you know, the DA's office had, a, uh, you know, they were, they were short on prosecutors. Oh, that situation is proven. They've hired a couple. So there's a lot of factors. Is it just me or are Jackson and Josephine County, for that matter, suffering more, enduring more homicides over the last year or two? Is that just me? It just, um, seems, it just feels anecdotal, but I don't no, know. No, I think, I think you're right. And, um, and I say not maybe say, not last year wasn't higher than the year before. I think uh, 21 was our worst year ever. Oh, Okay. Um, and uh, when I say that combined, I think we had like 21 or something like that total in the county uh, between all the agencies, uh, how, roughly. How much uh, related to, uh, you know, drug culture, cartel culture, maybe various other things, and how much of it is just maybe the culture in general uh, deteriorating mm. a bit? I'm asking yeah. for some speculation yeah, yeah. in your yeah. part, if you could. I mean, we did. I did look at those numbers because we were tracking, you know, like how many were related to, say, marijuana uh, issues, you know, when we had a lot of the. The, the the trafficking, the labor trafficking, the growth setup, and then other drugs. And I would say, I would say anecdotally, like seventy five percent are probably have some sort of drug nexus. Mm. Um, and then you know we that do was have, my suspicion. It was a pretty high. Yeah, and then, again, anecdotally, um, yeah, about that number. But you know, and we do have tr- other other things where we have disputes that go awry. You know, neighbors have a dispute, or there's a domestic violence situation. There's a dispute, and those things do happen. And there there may be no drugs involved. Um, or alcohol is involved or something like that. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, violent crime associated with uh, drug culture. And are you having to cut those people out loose or, or, or out early, or are they considered Measure 11? Oh, for homicide? Yeah, that's definitely Measure 11. Oh, yeah, right? you know, yeah. Okay, yeah, murder, so no, yeah, they're, no they're staying in. Yeah, they're okay. staying in custody. Um, the only thing that could impact us, you know, and it hasn't come to fruition, is the McShane ruling, which basically says um, – if uh, an individual doesn't have representation, so if they're considered indigent and don't have an attorney appointed within a certain amount of time, which I think was seven days at the last ruling, because this was months and months ago, that they would have to be released from custody, uh, with the exception of murder and ag murder. And, uh, of course, public defenders have been under a strain for quite some time, oh, yeah. the supply <clears throat> of that. Yeah, and in our counties, uh, the worst per capita in the in the state with regards to public defenders. What happened, do you know? Well, I think it's just I think it's just years. Honestly, it's just this 
I mean, we can go back to this whole thing. Look at uh, jail, look at uh, increase in violent crime, look at some other things. But, um, you know, years the jail has underserved our community. And this has continually caused uh, individuals to get charge after charge after charge after charge when they're not being held in custody. And then, of course, each time they get a new charge, that requires a, uh, an attorney. And mm-hmm. the way attorneys are, are, are done, in the, public defenders are, are, I guess, paid in the state of Oregon is they have credits. So if you have um, a measure 11 or a homicide case, I think is uh, 60 credits, I think. I think that's what it is. Don't quote me to that or don't hold me to that 100%. But I thought it was like 60 credits for a murder. Um, so you could have... Uh, five murders a year. I think they have 300 credits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little misdemeanor, say a trespass or something might be like a quarter credit or one credit or something like that or whatever that number is. And so depending on how many cases you take or how many credits you get, once you run out of credits, they you, you can't take more cases or won't get paid for them. So there's a, it's a... So it's a, it is a bit of a money issue then? Would that be um, fair or not? I don't know if it's money. It's 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 the ability of, of being able to uh, assign the amount of work necessary i think to that they feel like they can adequately provide representation if that makes sense you can't overload an attorney so much that they 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 can't represent their clients adequately Uh, because then you create other issues for appeals and other things so you know the money thing i'm not sure i think you know when you look at retaining people and jobs money is always could be Uh, a potential issue okay you know you go into private sector you could be making more money potentially i mean so there are things like that and then of course there's the whole criminal justice system in a whole hasn't necessarily um, been celebrated over the years. And, uh, you know, with some of the things in the reform. And so are people being... So difficult to recruit uh, sheriff's yeah. deputies, police officers, and, of course, uh, probably prosecutors. Right? <clears throat> Correct. Same sort of thing. Hmm. That is, uh, that, that's a challenge uh, looking forward. As far as uh, a new jail, probably no plan at the moment to flood anything, or is this... Well, there, there's there's kind of a rough plan, and it's not necessarily to, to float a, a proposal, but I think the, the next steps is we've been doing some cost assessments to see where we're at now mm-hmm. with inflation and all the things and, and the cost to do business. And then once that information is tabulated, it'll go to the Board of Commissioners, and then I think the hope is that we will put out a survey again to the community to see what the appetite is Okay, and see where that goes. And then once those results are back, that will kind of determine if we're, Hey, you're in the no go zone. There's no chance that this is going to work. So yeah, maybe not put anything out. Forget about it. Or there's there's uh, an area that says, Hey, we can work with this. And maybe there's then the effort, you know, we can decide to, to go out to the community and see uh, in more detail how they feel about this potential. All right. Very good. Sheriff, uh, another thing I wanted to touch in on, and I know that you are on the board of ECSO. Yep. That's the 911 uh, board here in uh, Southern Oregon. And there's talk about uh, needing another $4.5 million to complete the radio, the digital radio upgrades, the communications for law enforcement here. Mm-hmm. And I remember that uh, we ended up uh, passing a bond. Yeah. A couple of, was it a couple of years ago, two, three years back? I yeah, think. I think it was uh, 20, 2020. Yeah. So why are we four and a half million short, you know? <clears throat> you know, um, the, the short story is uh, inflation, cost mm-hmm. overruns, um, uh, you know, things have become more expensive to include sites, land, materials, labor, yeah. all those things. And so I think the well, last I, I, I heard can, is... I can concur with that in the radio world. Everything <clears throat> we buy is also more expensive, too. Oh, I mean, Insane. It's, 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 it's really... Uh, things have become expensive. I mean, even all of our patrol vehicles are more expensive. Everything is more expensive now uh, from, from labor to 
uh, parts from what was planned back at the time. Yeah, right? I think the initial design. I want to say the the rough plan of this was um, the draft. I want to say seventeen eighteen is when it was kind of estimated and bid out. You know, and so we're way different times than then. Oh yeah, yeah. Six um, years. There's been a lot of change in the cost between twenty eighteen oh, yeah. and now. Yeah, so and I think you were probably looking at two or three percent inflation in those days, and then yeah, you know, you could probably safely say, I know, I know when we were going talking about jail before, uh, like costs and how much it would be about a easy to say a five percent increase each year in inflation mm-hmm. with costs of facility, and uh, we've exceeded that, I think, immensely. Yeah. <clears throat> Any uh, talk? Uh, is the legislature going to uh, pull the rabbit out of a hat for ECSO at this point? What are you thinking? Um. Well, I, I think we're, we're all hopeful that that's a potential, and I think there's going to be something that will come out now. Whether it's going to be $4.5 I I doubt that, but anything could help. And is, has any of the work been performed at this point, or is this— Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're making progress on the, on the infrastructure, sure. Okay. Yeah, and um, it's just, um, you know, there's a, I think in 2026, uh, we got to have the majority of everything done, and then, um, you know, but— the cost overruns are, are causing some issues right now. All right. Like uh, everybody else, uh, price of eggs, price of digital radios and towers. You know? Yeah, everything. All right. It's there. Hey, I appreciate the uh, update. Thanks for dropping in. We'll have you back again. And uh, like I said, a lot uh, in the uh, in the air right now. Is there anything that the area citizens can do to actually help out area law enforcement? I don't know if there <clears> is or not. Or... Oh, you know, there's always things. I mean, obviously, um, we can't be everywhere at all times, and so we rely a lot on uh, our community to to call in and help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so on that front, you know, if you witness uh, anything, give us a call. We'd rather have the information and not need it. And you have the sheriff's app, too. <clears throat> we do have the sheriff's app. You can submit information through there, and I'll put a plug in for that. Um, we're going to start... We're going to start, we're dabbling in trying to do an office podcast, which basically would be like an update uh, where we talk to, uh, you know, various uh, members of the sheriff's office about their jobs and what they're doing and some of the challenges and just try to educate people more on what the office does for the community. So we're, we're dabbling in that. We're going to hopefully get that out here in the next uh, month or so. Um, but get on the app and um, you can make reports online there if you if you want to do it anonymously or, or through the app. And uh, but we do. We would rather know about crime occurring than not. So people think sometimes, oh, this is so minor, I'm not going to bother the yeah. sheriff's office. We'd rather know, honestly, yeah. Because sometimes it, it gives you a clue on uh, on growing problems in a particular area, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, if uh, if everyone reported everything, you know, we can create what is called hotspot mapping. So we see if there's a trend in a certain area that we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. We can allocate resources to those areas. So there's a lot of things we can do with the information if we have it. Um, Not much we can do if we don't. All right. Jackson County Sheriff Nate Sickler, good talk. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thanks, Bill. It is 758 KMED KCMD. Don't get stranded. Have your battery tested for free at Batteries Plus. We carry top quality replacement batteries and offer free installation on most makes and models. Visit us in person or shop online at batteriesplus.com. The popularity of Fontana Roofing's Metal Division cannot be overstated. Well, at least it's exciting for those who get geeked by seeing metal being bent. Okay, we'll see you soon. We've got another contractor who wants a tour of the metal shop. How can you blame them? We're cranking out so much magical stuff, they want to peek behind the curtain. The trick is to take it slow. There's a lot to take in, and you don't want to overwhelm them. Yeah, they're like kids at the carnival. 
Ooh, check out the gutter machine. Wow, look at all the colors and gauges they have in inventory. There's so many profiles for roofing and siding. Holy cow, look at that order of foundational flashing loaded on the trailer. Whew, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the grand finale. Fontana's Mobile Metal Fabricator. Ta-da! Montana Roofing is now providing guided tours of their metal shop. Please make reservations early. Bringing a sack lunch is recommended. For more information, visit MontanaRoofingServices.com. Coming up on the next Hughes Lumber. When two by fours get together, only one thing can happen. Walls get built. Check out the studs, followed by contractors and do-it-yourselfers. Featuring lumber, hardware, and siding. Starring decks, additions, and ADUs. It's the return of home enhancements. But watch out for that naughty pine. Get the best build for your buck values at Hughes Lumber. Your top show for quality, price, selection, service. So don't miss Hughes Lumber on Crater Lake Highway next to Garrison's. I got to tell you right off the bat, you can't talk about this topic without sounding like a fatalistic boob. Ooh, sounds like tonight's Ground Zero show is going to be a good one. I am. I'm paranoid about this. Ooh, you want to elaborate? Because, I, I mean, I don't want to be the one to preach doom and gloom to an audience, but... But what? This is something that we're all going to be a part of soon. Soon? So what do we do? Uh... Listen to Ground Zero. Pay attention. Early evening, starting at 8 on KMED and KCMD. Welcome back to The Bill Meyer Show. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD. Whew. Good talk there with uh, Sheriff Nate Sickler. It's uh, mid and after 8 KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford. And we'll go back to the phones on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Hi, good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Scott from GP. How hey, are you doing, Bill? I'm doing well, Scott. Welcome. Good. Hey, I was hoping to talk to the sheriff there, but um, here's my, my thoughts on it. You know, there was sure. a, a, a jail down in the southeast uh, a few years ago where uh, a gentleman was put in charge of it, and he was a, a, a Christian gentleman. And after a few years, um, that prison walking through it was one of the safest places to go through because they had um, they, they basically were teaching them the scriptures, and the recidivism rate dropped tremendously. And where was—can uh, you tell me exactly where this was? Do you know? No, I just know it was in the southeast someplace. I just can't remember. It's, it's southeast uh, United States is what I'm right. asking. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, anything to try to bring a, a little more of a moral focus on uh, on jail inmates would probably be welcome could be a challenge in this state for reasons that I don't even have to explain, Scott, right? Yeah, well, well <laughs> what I'm curious about is do they have a chaplain? Do, you know, uh, and I'm curious for my... my well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll try to find out. I don't know if they do. They may. They may already, yeah. but I'll get back to you on that. I'll drop the sheriff a note, okay? Okay. All well, right. All right, thanks. More question, if I may? Sure. Uh, uh, the um, What I'm curious about, too, is... Uh, right now, there's um, so many um, illegals being brought into this country, and they've been shipping them mostly back east. But uh, I just read where they're going to start shipping them to Arizona and California now, which I would suggest will probably end up here, too. So my my question for the sheriffs in, in all these uh, counties here in the south uh, is, what will they be doing? How will they be handling that? we got enough problems right now with the homeless. Well, remember, though, remember, remember, you're already a sanctuary state. The legislature right. has tied their hands on any of the on any of this, unless they're committing well, actual crimes. There's probably not much they can do. 
at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm wondering if um, there can't be a little more, uh, what do you call it, uh, just uh, thinking about a think tank kind of thing. What can you do? The, the federal government's mm-hmm. figured out how to get around the laws and not f- enforce them. Can't we do the same thing here? Okay, interesting thought. And uh, Scott, I appreciate the call. Seven seven zero five six three three. Interesting thinking going on. Hello, this is Bill. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning, Bill Todd in Central Point. Hi, uh, Todd. Uh, tying into your last caller and the, uh, the sheriff, I've been traveling for the last few weeks, and I don't know if it got much news coverage up here, but down in Southern California in the Mojave Desert, there was a mass murder scene that does tie into illegal immigration and the marijuana trade. And there were six people murdered. Uh, they ended up, the long and the short of it is, six people murdered, two cars bullet riddled, Mm-hmm. Um, and I only zeroed in on it because one of the plates were Oregon plates. And so they arrested five people. Everybody was a Honduran national. And the San Bernardino sheriff gave an impassioned speech about the illegal marijuana trade. And it's obviously a pipeline up and down the West Coast. And I was just wondering, he, he was reading off what the promise was in California, just like here with Measure uh, 110 or before that with the legalization of marijuana, is that it would get rid of the black market and protect the environment. And, he and, was and that appears to have been a total lie. It didn't do anything about the illegal well, black market. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He was saying, just down in San Bernardino County, that they, just last year, 2023, they had over 400 busts of illegal marijuana hoop houses, and that there are bodies being dumped in the desert all of the time. So, I, I mean... I'm prior law enforcement, but I can't understand how did the legalization of marijuana in Colorado, Oregon, now California, how did that facilitate mass uh, criminal activity? And I mean, how did I mean, how did the illegal part protect it from all this illegal stuff anyway? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, I imagine now, I, I, I'm not involved in that kind of a business, but I'm thinking that uh, the legalization process of it, and remember, when Oregon legalized it, it was legal before they really even had a regulatory structure in place. And so, mm. and remember how it was just uh, open season. And, and where was the growing going on? In areas like Jackson and Josephine County. And, you know, lots of land... Relatively few people, given the land, and and, and certainly not enough uh, law enforcement to really go out there. It's not like they were doing it in in San Bernardino City, right? As an example, you know what, what no, you were no, talking no. about. It's a very crowded city, but uh, you know I think that's uh, that's part of it. And they were the cartels were able to come up here and hide the illegal within the legal, I guess. And like, or like I said, you'd like to grow some uh, pot for us, wouldn't you? You know <laughs> that kind of thing going on at the barrel of a gun. Yeah, it's just the nexus of illegal immigration, mm-hmm. all the decriminalization of uh, whether possession of hard narcotics or yeah. even marijuana. And and honestly, it's the so bottom line, when you are no longer allowed to kick out people who do not belong here and you're not allowed to identify, you're not even allowed to notice. We're not supposed to notice the red bus dropping off a whole bunch of illegal aliens over at the uh, at the Rogue Valley Mall, for example which is what it looks like with somebody uh, sent me a picture of the other day. You're not even allowed to notice. Boy, a lot of bad things come from that. A lot of, uh, okay. I appreciate the call. We got a lot of work ahead of us, but uh, remember the root of it, the root of it comes from progressive control of the state of Oregon. 
They're the ones that have come up with the, the sanctuary city laws and the police can't do anything and they can't talk to ICE, even if ICE wouldn't do anything under uh, under Joe Biden. With so many work. 